Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... This is the true story of Mary Reynolds, born in the wilds of Pennsylvania in 1793, died there aged 61 in 1854. The details of her peculiar life and eccentric personality were not set down until 1860, when a well-known doctor and prolific writer named Silas Weir Mitchell took it upon himself to gather together the facts of her erratic existence and publish them. Mary, my dear... Are you speaking to me? Mary, dearest. What is it? What do you want? Mary, I'm your brother, Simon. And you? Who are you? Well, I'm your mother, dear. A likely story. And this is your father. I never saw any of you before in my life. Our mystery drama... The Mysterious Slumber was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Elspeth Eric and stars Elspeth Eric and Deanna Kirkwood. I shall return shortly with Act One. The story of Mary Reynolds will not die. William James abstracted it in his Principles of Psychology published in 1891. And in our century, it was told again by the famous psychoanalyst C.G. Jung in Volume 1 of his Psychiatric Studies, published both here and in England in 1957. Now we, I trust without pretension, bring you a dramatized version of the story of Mary Reynolds. I'm the Reverend John V. Reynolds of Meadville, Pennsylvania. And Mary Reynolds was my aunt. For the last 25 years of her life, she lived in my home, keeping house for me and showing herself to be a woman of splendid character and sound judgment. When Dr. Silas Weir Mitchell wrote me, 30-odd years after Aunt Mary's demise... Asking me what I could contribute to the tale of her strange existence, I was hard put to it to give him anything like a sensible account. Still, from what I had heard from my grandparents and my father, I was able to reconstruct certain essential and reliable details. Then, too, there were the lengthy conversations I had with Aunt Mary herself while she was living with me, which she did from the time she was 36 till she passed on at age 61. Your breakfast is on the table, John. Be right there, Aunt Mary. Got something new for you to try. Oh? What would that be? It's called Scrapple. Mrs. Lacey told me about it after her trip to Philadelphia. They eat a lot of it there, Mrs. Lacey says. Well, what do you think of it? It's good. 
It's very good, very good indeed. Oh, happy you like it. Were you always such a fine cook, Aunt Mary? I think so. No, I mean before you came here to the parsonage, when you lived with your family. I believe I used to cook rather a lot. Whether or not what I cooked was any good, well, I don't remember clearly. Probably sometimes it was. Other times, not. Probably that's the way it was. But you don't really remember, do you? Sometimes I think I do. Other times I, I think I never really lived my life at all. If you catch my meaning. I'm not sure I do. It's as though I'd read it all in a book. Or perhaps someone told me about it. Never all of it. Just bits and pieces. That must be very disconcerting. Well, yes. In a way. Never to have lived your life. Yes. That's unsettling. However, I've got used to it, more or less. And I'm very content here with you, John. Don't think for a minute I'm not. The vagaries of Aunt Mary's memory disturbed me a little. But they fascinated me, too. She seemed, this late in her life, to have some dim, dreamy idea of a shadowy past which she could not fully grasp. From my father, her older brother, Simon Reynolds, I had got some notion of the schism which had split Aunt Mary's personality when she was 18 years old. An extremely mild, morose, even melancholy young woman. Pass me your plates, everybody. I'll stack. Mary. Simon? Papa? Here's mine. Here you are, Mother. Mary, your plate, please. Oh, yes. Now you can clear. Yes, Mama. Be sure you scrape them. Yes, Mama. Simon, you are going to take her to the church social, aren't you? Mama, I already asked somebody. Well, you can certainly take your sister along. No, I can't. She'd be a wet blanket. Maybe she wouldn't. Yes, she would. I know. I've let her tag along before. She hangs back. She's got no conversation. She hardly even smiles. Nobody wants to dance with her. Nobody can talk to oh, her. Oh, now, Simon. Let's have no bickering now, if you please. Papa, do I have to? Well, more likely than not, she won't want to go. That's right. She hardly ever does. Well, she can't mope around the house all the time. It's not healthy. I could ask her to go riding with me tomorrow, I guess. Now, Mary's afraid of the horses. Mary's afraid of everything. Still, if you wanted to walk, or maybe a slow trot... It's nice in the woods this time of year. Woods? You wouldn't take Mary into the woods. You know how she feels about the woods. I'd be with her. It's the wild animals she's afraid of. Yes, and the snakes. The rattlesnakes, the copperheads. Uh, anyway, I'll ask her. But I won't take her to the social... Mary? What is it, Simon? Come here a minute, will you? I've washed the dishes, Mama, and dried them and put them away. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to go to bed. But it's early. All the same. Mary, how would you like it if we saddled up a couple of horses tomorrow and rode through the woods? Oh, no. No, I, I wouldn't. I couldn't. Well, you'd have me along to protect you. No. No, I couldn't. Mama, is it all right if I go up to bed now? Of course, Mary, if you want to. Thank you very much. Good night, all. Oh, that poor girl. That poor, poor girl. 
My father was fond of his sister, though her melancholy personality, so unlike his own, made it difficult for him to get close to her, to enjoy her company in any light-hearted way. Still, he felt protective. He wanted to help this forlorn, unhappy young woman, try to bring a little joy into her almost morbid existence. One evening, he and my grandfather came home after a long day's work in the fields. Supper ready, Mama? Yes, you've got two hungry men here. I'm just setting the table. You two go wash up. Why are you setting the table? Where's Mary? Why isn't she doing it? Mary's upstairs. What's she doing up there? She's sick or something? She's asleep. Asleep? Sleep at six o'clock. She must be sick. When did she take to bed? Last night. Last night? Last night after supper. You were here, she did the dishes, and she went to bed. That's where she's been ever since. She didn't come down to breakfast, I remember that. Nor for dinner. Well, why didn't you say something? Well, I didn't want to worry you. I thought, well, the poor girl's tuckered out, better sleep. When she's good and ready, she'll wake up. Didn't you try to rouse her? Ask her if anything was well, wrong. Well, of course I did. What kind of mother do you think I am? I went up there half a dozen times at least. I spoke to her. I even shook her a little, pretty roughly, the last time. But she never opened her eyes, never uttered a sound, just turned away from me and went on sleeping. Oh, good heavens, she's been sleeping close to 20 hours. What are we going to do? We can't just sit around and wait for her to wake up. What if she never does? Now, don't talk like that, Simon. I think we should go up there, all of us. Mama? Papa? The three of them went up the steep stairs together, each with a separate and nameless fear, each with a dim hope that all would somehow be well and life could go on as before. They reached Mary's little room. Its door was open. I didn't shut her door in case she should call out. I wanted to be sure I heard her. Mama, look. She's sitting up in bed. She's all right. Mama, you gave us such a scare. Well, let's go in. Now, let me go in first. Mary, my dear? Are you speaking to me by any chance? Mary, dearest? What is it? Mary. And what do you want? Well, I'm your brother. I'm Simon. What's a Simon? I'm your brother. What's that? Brother. Mama? What's she? I'm your mother, dear. And I'm your father. I never saw any of you before in my life. She's left her senses. Gone clean out of her mind. Could it be the long sleep that's done it? Well, she doesn't look any the worse for it. Oh, she looks... She looks almost pretty. Happy-like. Mary, wouldn't you like to get up out of bed? What's that you said? About a... What was it? A bed? This. What you're lying on. This is a bed. Your bed. Bed. A bed. Your bed. Your bed. Mary's bed. What's a Mary's? Mary is you, dear. You are Mary. It's your name. Mary Reynolds. What's name? Tell me. Are you making fun of me? Oh, no, no. I think you are. I think you don't like me much. Oh, Mary. Maybe not at all. Uh, Mama, Papa, both of you go downstairs. Leave me alone with her. 
You think we should? We're not doing much good here. Well, call us if you need us, Simon. I will. I like you, you know. I always have. Since when? Since always. Why? No reason. I just always have. But you don't know me. Oh, yes, I do. I know you very well. I don't know you. How's that? Well, it's all right, I guess. Give me your hand, will you? This? Yes, that's your hand. Give it to me. Let me hold it and help you get out of bed. That's it. Yes, like that. And we'll walk over to the window and look out. And you, you'll see what you shall see. I shall see what I shall see. That's right. Now, let me pull the curtain. Now, you can see... Oh! Oh! I see it! What do you see? Right there! Right there! That's a tree. It's a tree. A tree! And beyond. All that. All, all that. That's the sky. Oh, it's pretty. It's pretty, pretty, pretty. So pretty. Oh, so very, very pretty. My father said she was like a newborn child. Her memory was gone completely. The world and everything in it was altogether new to her. Her father, her mother, her brother, friends and relatives who came to see her, all went unrecognized. It was as though she had never seen them before, never known them, was not aware that such persons had ever existed. To the scenes which surrounded her, she was a perfect stranger. The house, the fields, the forests, the hills, the streams, all were novelties. She had not the slightest consciousness that she had ever existed previous to the moment she awoke from that mysterious slumber. Mary Reynolds awoke from her long sleep, not the withdrawn, unhappy, uncommunicative girl she had been before she took to her bed. She emerged a new person with a new personality and a new life. The old one vanished along with her memory of it. In a way, she was reborn, yet born in a state of maturity, with a capacity for relishing the rich, the sublime, the luxuriant wonders of creation. I'll be back shortly with Act Two. happened to Mary Reynolds during her long, mysterious sleep? No one really knows. What could happen to change a melancholy, dispirited girl into a lively, cheerful one? And what caused the amnesia? The failure to recognize father, mother, brother? Was something triggered in the recesses of her unconscious mind that made her renounce her previous life and self and turn to a new life, a new self? I wish I had an answer for you, but I don't. My father said that after Aunt Mary's sudden, inexplicable change, her parents decided to invite various friends and relatives within traveling distance to attend a party. Were they anxious to parade in front of them their new daughter, 
Charming, vivacious, cheerful, so different from the dull, retiring child they had known before? Or was it an effort to bring back Mary's memory of times past, of people known? No matter which, their intentions, I'm sure, were of the best. Bye, Lucy. Bye, Frank. Come back soon. That was a nice party, wasn't it? It was lovely. Everyone was so charming. Oh, I loved them all. Who were they? Oh, Mary. Uh, Mary, that's me. This man told me. Yes, Simon. Yes, Simon. My, uh, brother, is that right? That's right. And who is this? Um, Mama. And this? Papa. That's right. But what's a Mama and what's a Papa? Oh, never mind. It doesn't matter. I wrote those words down for her. You mean she can read words now? Well, she doesn't connect words with things yet, or with people. But she can read them. It didn't take long to teach her. Less than two weeks, as a matter of fact. But she used to read very well. She could read most anything. She read a lot. She will again, Mama. You know why, everybody? Mama, Papa, Brother, I'm going for a walk in the woods. Well, it, it'll be getting dark very soon. It makes me know, never mind. Well, Mary, there are wild animals in the woods, uh, dangerous ones. Oh, pooh. Your cousin Arthur saw a bear once. So did I. I know what you saw, and it was nothing but a big black hog. Oh, that's not true. I know what you're trying to do. You want to keep me shut up in this mean little house. You want to frighten me so I'll never go out, never have any good times. Well, it won't work because I'm going. I'm going now, and I'll go again tomorrow. And every single day after that. There was no stopping her. Her brother, her father, her mother sat helplessly by as she went skipping off in the direction of the forest. As time wore on, she took to going off early in the morning, rambling until nightfall over the whole countryside, heedless as to whether she were on a path or in the trackless forest. Anyone who made the slightest attempt to hold her back became her enemy. And my father, as well as his parents, stopped trying. Mary? Mary? Hmm? Oh, you mean me. You are Mary. I am Simon. You are my sister. I am your brother. I know that. You told me. Yes, but do you know what it means? That we are brother and sister? Is it supposed to mean something? It means we have the same parents. Oh. Mama is your mother and she's my mother. Papa is my father and he's your father too. Uh-huh. We are a family. Father, mother, son, daughter. Together, we are a family. A family called Reynolds. I'm called Mary Reynolds. And I'm called Simon Reynolds. I think that's very nice. It is. It's very nice. A family is a very nice thing to be a part of. Look, Mary, I'm going to write it down for you. We are a family. You see? We are a family. Now, do you think that you could write that? But do you want me to? Yes, I do. All right. Give me the pencil. And here's a piece of paper. Thank you. We are a family. How's that? That's uh, good. 
Mary, that's uh, very good. Hmm, I thought you'd like it. Mary, did you notice when I wrote the sentence, I started on the left-hand side of the paper and wrote toward the right? Did you? Uh-huh. But you, you wrote from right to left. Did I? Would you have any idea why you did that, Mary? No. That's just the way I did it. Now I'm going for a walk in the woods. Thus, another oddity was added to Aunt Mary's new personality. By now, her parents and brother were beginning to accept the creature she had become. She was merry and high-spirited, ready for fun and adventure. Not at all the gloomy, withdrawn girl she had been before the long sleep. Mama? Brother Simon? When are we going to give another party? You want to have a party, Mary? The way we did before. All those people, all that good food, the elderberry wine, the dancing and laughing and talking. You really enjoyed that party, didn't you, Mary? Oh, yes, I loved it. That pretty girl with the black curly hair. But that was your cousin, Nellie. She and her husband, Arthur, they live in Sudley. Arthur couldn't come that day because he was down with a fever. Do you remember Nellie and Arthur? I remember Nellie from the party. If she was the one with the black curly hair. Not Arthur. I mean from before. Before the party. We all went to their wedding. Did we? You got a new dress for it. The blue flowered one. Where is it? Well, I think it's up in the attic. You never wore it again. Oh, get it down from the attic. I'll wear it to the party. Who else will come? Well, there's Aunt Helen and Uncle Charlie. And Betsy Higgins, my best friend, your godmother. And the Halseys, they have the farm next to us. Ask them all. Ask everybody. We'll have the best time anybody ever had. We'll sing and dance and laugh and talk and have a wonderful time. Well, go on, ask them. All right, I'll start writing to them. Good, you do that. Oh, and get my flowered blue dress down from the attic. I'll wear it to the party. It'll take a little time, Mary. Oh, hurry it up, will you? I'm restless. I think... I think I'll go for a walk in the woods. Uh, Mary, let me go with you this time. What for? Why do you want to go? I'd just like to. Well, at least you're not trying to stop me. Like some people I know. I tell you what, Mary. Why don't we go together on horseback? How would that be? Well, that would be all right. Any way is all right. Father isn't using Captain and Ginger in the fields today. Why don't I throw a couple of saddles across them and we'll set out together? If you want to. I do want to. Wait for me. I'll bring the horses around. Mary and Simon set off on the backs of the two Percherons, which were ordinarily used for farm work. The sun was filtering through the tall pines. Cardinals and finches were singing. The air was cool and crisp. Hear the birds, Simon. Mm, beautiful, Mary. Oh, I love them all. Each and every one. I'm glad. Well, look. What's that in that tree? Uh, I think that's an oriole's nest, Mary. Really? I think you're right. Do you remember the orioles, Mary? The ones who used to nest outside our house? When was that? Uh, a couple of years ago. And a few years before that, too. They used to come back year after year. Do you remember? Should I? I guess it's not important. I just wondered... There's so much I don't remember. Well, you will. One of these days. You know what, Simon? 
I don't care if I never remember. Let's go faster, shall we? Ah, uh, the brush is pretty thick. I don't care. I think we ought to turn back. Oh, fiddlesticks. Mary! Come on! Mary, slow down. It's not safe. Oh, this old workhorse won't go any faster. Please, Mary. I wish I had a proper riding horse. Put him in a walk. Please, bring him back to a walk. Why? Mary, I'm begging you. Whoa! Walk, Ginger! Whoa! Ah, that's better. What are you doing, Mary? I need a whip. No, you don't. Mary, you don't need that. Yes, I do. This branch will do the trick. Mary, please. This will wake him up. Mary. Mary, let's turn back. Let's go home. Come on. Mary, up ahead. That's a bear. Nonsense. It is. It is. Look. Mary, that is a bear standing there. Now turn around and we'll go back before he gets angry and attacks. Get up, Ginger. Get up there. The horse won't move. Of course he won't. He's got more sense. Simon, hold his reins. Why? What for? Mary, don't. What do you think you're doing? I'm going to get rid of that ugly thing. Mary, it's a bear. It's an ugly black hog. That's what it is. I've seen them before. Mary, don't. You impudent thing. Get out of here. Oh, stop grinning at me and get back where you came from. You hear me? Mary, he's standing on his hind legs. He's getting ready to attack. I'm taking my stick to him. Mary, for the love of heaven. Get out, you ugly black hog. Get out. Get out. I have my father's word that it happened in just that way. He told me the story many times when I was a boy, and I must tell you that I stood in considerable awe of my Aunt Mary. So I think did her parents when my father told them about the encounter in the woods. The horse wouldn't move, Mother, though she dug her heels into his sides and gave him some strong cuts with the stick that she'd broken from a tree. So she handed the reins to me, dismounted, and walked straight up to this enormous bear. It stood up on its hind feet and gnashed its teeth. Mary kept calling it an ugly black hog, but believe me, it was no hog. It was a bear. Merciful heavens. She shouted at the bear to get out of the way, to go back to where he came from. But the bear didn't move. Then, cool as a cucumber, she said, Well, if you won't leave for words, I'll try blows. And with that, she walked straight up to it and started beating at it with this puny little branch she'd broken from a tree. And then what? Well, you won't believe me, but I saw it with my own eyes. That monstrous bear got down on all fours and walked away. Ah, that's hard to believe. I told you it would be. She came back to where I was, got back on her horse, and we finished our ride. I didn't have much to say. I'm not sure I said anything at all. But Mary chattered all the way back about this and that, just as though nothing had happened at all. Such was the character of Aunt Mary's second self, as they came to call her new, apparently contradictory personality. Her daring, her extreme cheerfulness, her buoyancy and sociability made her an admirable companion. A welcome occupant of the house, a joy to be with. If certain eccentricities accompanied this new self, well, they were 
only something to be tolerated and accepted. Was Mary Reynolds and her encounter with the bear simply a very brave woman, or was she a fool? Was she mad? Such questions are still asked about people who cross the ocean in a sailboat, who climb mountains, who race cars, who perform incredible feats of all kinds. We commonly consider them to be fearless, but it's possible they are scared to death and trying to deny it. I'll be back shortly with our concluding act. So far as I know, there has never been a definitive explanation of Mary Reynolds' drastic personality change, though the transformation has been observed and recorded by others. The most facile and admittedly superficial description is, quote, the removal of inhibition, unquote, enabling Mary to, in a manner of speaking, set herself free. But why this should have occurred when it did, after a prolonged slumber, at the age of 18, no one seems to know, least of all myself. Aunt Mary's giddy existence went on for quite a while. Household chores were forgotten. Conventional behavior seemed unknown. Her family watched in amazement mixed with pleasure. Then, after about five weeks, one night after dinner... More gooseberry pie, Mary? I don't think so, Mama. Oh, made especially for you. That was nice of you, Mama. Perhaps... No. No, I think I'll go up to my room. I'm a little tired. Maybe I'll just go to bed. All right, you run along to bed, Mary, if that's what you want to do. I think it is. I think that's what I want to do. Good night, all. Sleep well, dear. I will. I'm really very tired. You think she's all right? Oh, she's just tired, Mama. Oh, that running around is no wonder. She kept asking about the party we're going to have. Maybe she wants to rest up for that. You think she'll recognize anyone this time? I'm not sure she even recognizes us. Oh, I know she calls you Mama and Papa, and she calls me Brother Simon, but I'm not sure she knows what those words mean. I'm not sure she knows who we really are. Or, for that matter... Who she is. Well, anyway, she's a joy to have around. Even if she never makes her bed or cleans up her room or helps me with the meals. Simply romps around enjoying herself. I get my pleasure from just watching her. So different from the way she used to mope around, wearing a long face, never smiling. Anything is better than that. Everyone agreed that the wild, unpredictable Mary was preferable to the depressed girl they had known. If she seemed to care for no one, not even to know them in any intimate way, still she was a merry companion, a ray of sunshine in the house, and they were content to leave her so. Not that anyone could have changed her. Supper ready, Mother? We're home. Almost ready, Papa. Oh, Mary, you're setting the table. Of course I am. I always set the table. Well, you... Well, you haven't been doing it for quite a while. What are you talking about? I always set the table. You know that. It's one of my chores. I'm surprised at you, Simon. Mary, did you uh, go for a walk in the woods today? 
in the woods. I never go near the woods. There are wild animals in the woods. You told me so, Papa. You and I went for a ride in the woods, Mary. Why do you lie to me, Simon? A brother shouldn't lie to his sister. We went on horseback, on Captain and Ginger. I think you're a trifle attached, Simon. I would never do such a thing. Yesterday I did what I always do. Did my chores, had dinner, cleared the table, washed up and went to bed. That's all I did yesterday. That's what I do every day. So please don't tease me with these fanciful tales. You know I don't like to be teased. I never have. I'm sorry, Mary. Well, you should be. Uh, Mary. Mary, dear. Yes, Mama? Uh, would you go in the kitchen and stir the stew for me? Oh, of course, Mama. And in about two minutes, add a little beer to it, will you? Half a cup, maybe? It'll add a little flavor. Yes, Mama. Well, what do you make of it? She's gone back to what she was. How? Why? What made it happen? She slept all day, the way she did the other time. I went to her room an hour ago. She woke up, looked at me, and said, Oh, dear, it's you. I suppose you want me to help you in the kitchen. Well, I hardly knew what to say. It was the first time she'd mentioned helping around the house since... You know, since she changed. Now she's changed back. I don't know if to be glad or sorry. Nor do I. Nor I. Well... What what should be done? What can be done, Papa? Mama? Yes, Mary, dear? There's no beer in the keg. Uh, None at all. Not a drop. And I don't understand it because yesterday the keg was full. Well, we probably drank it all up at the party. What party? We had so many people here. Everybody drank quite a lot. What party are you talking about? Well, when... All the friends and relatives were here. We all had such a good time, and and, and you had the best time of anybody. You don't remember it, do you, Mary? A party? And I had a, a good time? At a party? Who was here? Your cousin Nellie was here. Oh, her. With the kinky black hair. You remember Nellie? Oh, she's my cousin. I've never liked her, though. Oh, Mary, you liked her at the party and you thought her hair was beautiful. That's not possible. She married Arthur, didn't she? I could never see what he saw in her. She's not even pretty. Do you remember their wedding? Of course I do. You bought me a blue dress. I hate blue. It's my least favorite color. Was... Arthur at this party you're talking about? No, dear, just Nellie. And and then there was your Aunt Helen and Uncle Charlie and the Halseys, Betsy Higgins. My godmother. You do remember her? My closest friend, Betsy Higgins? Well, of course I remember her. But I don't remember any party. Still, if you say so, there must have been, I guess. Mary, do you remember the day I saddled up Captain and Ginger and you and I went for a ride in the woods? Now you are lying to me. I would never go in the woods. There are wild animals in the woods. Well, that's true, but we went. And in the deep part of the woods, we came across a bear. <gasps> a bear? But you weren't the least bit frightened. You said it was nothing but an ugly black hog. 
and, and you broke a branch off a tree, and you went at that bear. You yelled at him to get out, go away, and then you started beating him over the snout with your little stick. I did that? And you were as cool as a cucumber. What happened? That big bear put his head down and slunk away. Do you remember any of that, Mary? If you say it happened, then it must have happened. Aunt Mary remained in what her family by now had come to call her first state. Dull, depressed, even melancholy, as contrasted with her euphoric second state, for several weeks, until, after another prolonged slumber, she awoke. Mother! Father! Simon, where is everybody? Mary, yes, yes, what is it, dear? You said there was going to be a party, Mother. You promised me another party. What party? You know the one, the one you promised me, like the other one. But you didn't seem to want a party. (laughs) Not want a party? Why wouldn't I want a party? I like good times just like anybody else, you know. But you said that you... I know what I said. I said, let's have another party just like the one before. I told you that yesterday. Or the day before. I forget exactly which day it was. Mary, uh, my dear, you have been very depressed and unhappy for a few weeks now. Oh, I have never been depressed or unhappy. How can you say such a thing? Simon! Simon! Yes, Mama? Come up here right away. Where are you? In Mary's room. Simon... She's changed again. What? What did you say? Mary's changed again. It's the second state. She's back in it again. Mary? Mary? Has anybody looked out the window? Such a beautiful day. How are you feeling, Mary? Oh, I feel wonderful. Well, that's good. I'm glad. Well, of course it's good. What else should it be? It's not the way you felt yesterday. Oh, of course it is. That's the way I've always felt. I felt like this all my life. No, you haven't. Of course I have. No, most of your life you've been a very unhappy girl. Oh, that's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. No, it's not. It's true. You just don't remember. Is that it? That I don't remember? Well, that's part of it anyway. What's the rest of it? I don't know. I just don't know. I wish I could remember being unhappy. At least I think I wish I could. I'm not sure. Maybe it would help. Mm, I could try, I suppose. Maybe you should. Now? When, well, whenever you feel like it. Well, I don't feel like it now. All right, then don't. But maybe later. Yes, later. Sometime. Not now. And you know why? Why? No, you tell me why. Because I feel so absolutely marvelous. Why should I spoil it? Uh, No reason, I guess. You know what I'd like to do right now, this minute? I'd like to go saddle up a horse and go for a ride in the woods. Will you come with me, Simon? If you want me to. Oh, I do. I want you to. Remember the last time when we ran into that ugly black hog and you said it was a bear? But I knew better, didn't I? And I beat that old black hog. I beat him off with a stick, didn't I, Simon? And he ran away. Dirty old black hog. 
These shifts from one state to another continued at intervals, sometimes long, sometimes short, for about 16 years, till Aunt Mary was about 35 or 36. At that age, she began to stay permanently in her so-called second state. Gay, mischievous, fond of company and good times. But gradually, she sobered down to a level of practicality and usefulness, becoming rational, industrious, cheerful, but capable of being serious as well. During her last 25 years, she lived with me and tended to my house, as I told you at the start. And it was there that we held the conversation with which this story began. Sometimes I think I never really lived my life at all. It's as though I'd read it all in a book. Or someone had told me about it. Your mother? Your father? Yes. And Simon. And friends, relatives. They would tell me things about myself. Sometimes tell me more than once. And I don't know if their telling me made me think I remembered those things. Or if I really did remember them. You understand? I'm trying to. Well, don't bother your head too much about it. Because I don't understand it at all. And I've got sick of trying. All I have is just these bits and pieces of my life. That either I remember or or think I remember. But if that's all I have, or all I'm ever going to have, well, so be it. I'll have to settle for it, won't I? Still, it must be disconcerting. Never to have lived your life? Well, it's unsettling, yes. But I've got used to it, more or less. And I'm very contented here with you, John. Don't think for a minute that I'm not. I'm happy to have you here, Aunt Mary. (laughs) That's very nice to hear. Now, I must do the ordering from the grocer, take down the drapes in the living room. Aunt Mary, Aunt Mary, what is it? What's wrong? I I wonder what's the matter with my head. Aunt Mary. Aunt Mary. Aunt Mary, what is it? Here, let me lift you. Let me put you up on the sofa. Let me get my arms around you. There. Put you down gently. And Mary. She gasped twice there on my sofa. Then a long, deep sigh. And she was dead. I have written all this to Dr. Silas Weir Mitchell. I wish I could tell him more. That I could offer reasonable explanations for the strange events that befell my Aunt Mary. But I am a simple minister in a small Pennsylvania town. My vocation is to comfort troubled souls. Not to dissect troubled minds. Cases like that of Mary Reynolds have been repeated over and over since her day. People who exhibited quite varied personalities at different times. The malaise has been called double consciousness, multiple personality, spontaneous character change. 
But giving an ailment a name does very little to effect a cure. I'll be back shortly. This is what happened to Larry, another reader, or is it victim of Ravenhouse Mysteries? I was at the bus stop reading the latest Ravenhouse paperback when a lady walked by. She seemed familiar, like I knew her from somewhere. I followed her. She started to run, and I lost her in the crowd. The next day, I saw her again in the supermarket. Our eyes met over the lettuce. I said, Sarah, you're supposed to be dead. <laughs> Ravenhouse mysteries are so engrossing, you can't help but let the mystery take over your life. It was a little embarrassing. I, I had her confused with the character in my Ravenhouse mystery. Ravenhouse publishes new mysteries every month. Which one will claim you as its victim? If you're clever enough, you'll find Ravenhouse mysteries wherever paperbacks are sold. to note that every case like that of Mary Reynolds is marked by total amnesia. The afflicted person has no remembrance of any other state than the current one. They call this an amnesic split. Again, a fine-sounding term, one which describes the affliction, but does not alleviate it. Our cast included Elspeth Eric, Diane Kirkwood, Don Scardino, and Mandel Kramer. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Raven House Paperback Mysteries. This is Tommy Grimes, inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. <laughs>